4: Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbour, State Farm is there.
2: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means.
3: Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show comes to you live from sunny Southern California. Welcome in. Jay Stu, Dan Beyer, John Ramos is here. I got some questions for uh, Dan Beyer. You know, Dan has his own podcast, I Want Your Flex. I have a fantasy draft tomorrow. I won the league last year. I am uh, I'm the forgiving king of my league. Tell you what I did, which puts me ahead of other human beings uh, momentarily, but also I'm going to just uh, pluck all my information from uh, uh, from the great Dan Byer later on today. Basically, let him draft for me. You should do the same. I want your flexes. His podcast, Doug Gottlieb show, brought to you by Bet Rivers. The latest lines, in world sports are all available at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. Present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Play gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Um bunch of things I want to get to. Okay. There is some. There was some fun baseball last night. There was also preseason football last night. The uh, the Ravens continue the streak of winning games that no one cares about. They care about the streak. Should they care about the streak? We'll we'll discuss it. We'll discuss it. Um, and then we're look. We're waiting. There's a lot of lot of uh, palaver. I love that word. I I love. Are you guys familiar with the word palaver? And the reason, palaver. P-A-L-A-V-E-R, okay, palaver, a um, prolonged discussion, unnecessary talk at length, but it feels like there's a lot of palaver about the Deshaun Watson case coming to some sort of close or to a head later on today. Because tonight, Deshaun Watson's supposed to start for the Cleveland Browns in their first preseason game. Obviously, just trying to get him reps and get him up to speed right So I, I look, I think what's really interesting about it, fascinating about it right? really interesting, really fascinating about it, is that um, the Browns are gonna play him unless the league tells him they can't and even if the league says throws some sort of roadblock and he accepts some sort of middle ground of agreement, He's still likely gonna to play tonight. It's just it's a really interesting thing. So then you're like sitting there as a Browns fan, he plays well. You're like, do I do I clap? Like what what is it what does it actually mean? Um I I think it's it's completely fascinating here to see what happens with the Browns later on today. I, I also want to talk about this, what's what's taking place in DC. Carson Wentz says by some accounts, gotten off to a spotty start during his time in training camp with the Washington Commanders. So he sat down with a guy named Scott Abraham, who works for the ABC affiliate in DC. I want you to listen to the questions as well as the answers. Scott Abraham is the interviewer. He's talking with Carson Wentz. Take a listen.
5: There's been kind of a narrative out there here in training camp that you've been a little inaccurate um, on your throws, uh, consistently inconsistent has been a kind of a terminology. How would you assess your performance in training camp? And is that characterization uh, fair? Yeah, I mean, for one, it's camp. You know, I think uh I didn't know that so thank you yep. because uh, I know, I know you time, told me you don't read that stuff at the same time uh I'm my biggest critic so I, I come back after practice yeah. and I'm kicking myself over one two three four five plays you know real talk here Carson it's been well documented Philly didn't want you Indy didn't want you do you think this is your last chance to prove that you can be a starting quarterback in the NFL yeah you know I don't really think about all that stuff for me I'm playing the game that I love and I have the most confidence of anybody in myself to deliver, to play at a high level, um, to, you know, be a part of something special here with this team. And so I don't, I don't put all that pressure on myself. I don't put, you know, people can, can feel that way. People can say what they want. And, uh, I have no issue with that. You know, that is what it is. But for me, I don't, I don't think in those terms.
3: Okay. So look, um, I thought Carson's answers were, were perfect, right? There's nothing wrong with his answers. The questions were a mess. And I, th- I saw this Jason Wright, who's the president of the Commanders. He quote tweeted this interview and wrote, Thankfully, Carson demonstrated grace in class in his response to this pompous, unprofessional mess. I recognize you made a living on childlike pro- uh, provocation, but it needs to be called out. Don't expect special access and good luck building rapport with the guys at Scott 7 News. Um, it's not that the guys can't take criticism. Just be journalistic and follow standard practices others have found a way to do both. I don't know if he didn't follow uh, standard practices of journalism. I think that's unfair, you know, like we're we, I I'm dealing with this stuff as well. So here's what I believe. People don't know how to ask questions. And they load them up with commentary and you're trying to elicit a response when if you play back the first question only which there's a multitude of questions, but he actually had the right question buried in there. Okay. The right question is, how do you think you, how do you, how do you, think you played? Right? How did you characterize your performance thus far in camp? But listen to all the other hullabaloo, all the other multitude of questions and statements that are made inside of it. Go ahead. There's
5: Tom. been kind of a narrative out there here in training camp that you've been a little inaccurate. Okay, so that, that doesn't need to um, exist. Your throws uh, consistently inconsistent has been I need a kind to put of, that in. Yeah. of a terminology. How would you assess your performance in training camp, and is that characterization? That's it. Well, hold
3: on. how would you assess your performance in training camp? That's the question. That's the question. But he doesn't leave it at that question. He goes on, still in that question. Keep going. Uh, fair. Yeah, I mean, you know, how would you I assess it. it, and is that fair? Like, no, no, no. You're asking a bunch of questions. So I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm the world's greatest interviewer. I think D- Dan Patrick's the best interviewer that we got going in, in national sports radio he's, he's awesome and and he follows a similar sort of plan. but this is like, I mean you are, I mean I, I think more of this is one of those I think more of Carson wins now than I did before the interview. So you ask him, how would you assess? And then if you want to come back in terms of some sort of narrative, um, you can simply say there, there has been some discussion in the media over issues with accuracy. How do you feel like you've been in terms of being accurate? That's it. Like let, allow them. Instead, you're, you're putting him in a position of being defensive and boy, Carson Wentz avoids it, Right. And then the uh, Philly didn't want you, Indy didn't want you. I mean, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? It, it's really really easy. You know, this is, this is your third team, you know? What can you take from your previous experiences that will help you with, with, with Washington? You know, how do you feel like you are viewed by the rest of your league? What do you hope to, like, just ask him, let him answer the questions. But the Philly didn't want you, Indy didn't want you. Whew, that, that's what's called, those are trigger words. And you're getting far afield from what you're supposed to do. That was a bad one. J. Stew, what do you think? I thought it
1: was, um, what is that uh thing? Is it between two ferns? I thought it was one of those. When I first saw it, online last night. I thought that there was gonna be a punchline and that they were like college buddies and they and and this was a a joke. I when I found out that it was an actual credentialed reporter asking what he thought was actual questions. I I thought it's one of the most unprofessional uh interviews you'll ever hear. He should never have access to the team again after that. That's like worth pulling your credentials, right? And and Carson I actually
3: actually, this is what I actually think. I, I truly believe this. I actually think that Washington, what they should do is, nah, dude, like, l- let him have his credentials, let him have his his access. You know, you gotta own like, it, it, you have to. It's like it's the being the benevolent dictator, right? Like, he, I I actually think if you're Washington, don't be overreactive. Do do what Carson Wentz did, which is like he wants to ask questions, he wants to make himself look like a fool, and Carson Wentz like, nah, we we'll keep, we'll keep giving you. You got access, go to the locker room, face those guys. It's fine. Don't cut them off. Because what that does is that makes it so that you others will feel under pressure to ask somehow softball questions. You don't have to ask softball questions. You don't have to ask hard questions. Just ask the questions, let them answer, follow up, know how to do the job. I had this, you guys don't know this because you didn't work with me then. Um, Chad Steele, I consider a friend. He's done PR for the entire league at the Super Bowl. Forever, he's been the guy with the Baltimore Ravens. He's seen as, if not the best in the business, one of the two or three best in the business. Obviously, his his sister is, is Sage Steele. Okay? Chad Steele is the re- good-looking, uh, uh light-skinned black guy, mixed-race black guy who you see at the Super Bowl, usually walking next to the game-winning quarterback. Like, that's... He's that guy. He's not security. He's actually PR. He's just fit enough to look like he's security. So if you go back, oh, God, this is 2012's season, 2012. Ray Rice had fumbled a couple times with the Ravens early in the year. But he'd come back and he had a game-winning touchdown after fumbling early in the game or after fumbling in previous games. And so at some point, I asked him a question because he was joking about the, the fumbling thing. And I said something along the lines of, is it like the program where John Harbaugh makes you carry a- around the football at um, when you go into your meetings? you guys remember that scene from the program, right? Where the running back he kept, was it, um, uh, what's the name, Epps? Uh, who's the, Omar who's Epps. The, Omar Epps, right, is the running back at... Uh, you know, for whatever the school was in the program, Jay, Stew, do you have you seen the program? Maybe once, but I'm not very well versed. Ramos, have you seen the program? I have not, Doug. You guys haven't seen? That's a good movie. That's a good football movie.
6: We were just talking about this yesterday. About um, we're, we're not. I am personally not a big fan of sports movies. Huh? So, uh, yeah, I know. I have not seen. I'm. I have never seen the Field of Dreams.
3: I'm not a huge Field of Dreams guy. Okay. But, so, but I I also think like like do you not like Bull Durham?
6: <laughs> I did, but see I've never really sat through Bull Slap Durham shot? either. Nope. What? <laughs> Tin Cup? Did see Tin Cup? Yes, because okay. yeah.
3: Um, blue chips.
6: Was that the Shaquille O'Neal one? Yeah. Yeah, I sporadic. I never sat through like here is the OP credit. Nope. Why? Why not? I just. Yeah, It just didn't. Which is funny because remember I told you the other day I saw Grease 36 times, at the
3: movie yeah. theater. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it doesn't say much about you. Maybe a little. Bit. Maybe a, little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Anyway, the point. The point is. So, I, I like. I hung up and I thought like one. I thought it was fair too. Like Ray was talking about fumbling, you know. So Ray went back into the locker room. Right? And, to a couple of people I know in the locker room, like I knew dudes in the the Ravens locker room. Kind of mf'd me up and down, and Chad was great. Chad was like, "Look, dude, I don't know what you said." I I sent him back the entire uncut, unedited interview, and he's like, "Yeah, I raised." I don't know. He was just on fire, upset. I was like, "Dude, I wasn't unfair. I didn't feel like the questions were unfair in any way." And Chad's deal was like, "Look, let's just like let it simmer for a little bit, and you know, let me let me let me work on some things or whatever." Now the Ray Rice thing, it was. I don't know if it was later on that year or maybe it was the next year, right? Where he, where the, the incident occurred with his then fiance, now wife, whatever. And I've actually hung out with Ray Rice since then. And he actually, you know, he told me, he's like, dude, look, I lost my cool. I was really mad about, about the fumbling thing. And you were like my fourth interview of the day. And your questions weren't actually the bad ones. It was the previous questions from a previous interview. And I'd done like four in a row and I just, lost my cool, and you were the last one I talked to, so you were the one I mentioned. I was like, dude, come on. You like, killed me to all these other guys. But we, we're good, and Chad and I are good. But the, the point is that when you if you cut off access as the commanders are threatening to do, I think you make it so that you'll... It just makes it really hard for anybody to do their job. This dude didn't do a good job. He didn't do a good job. He was fishing for answers and fishing for a defensiveness that, that didn't exist. And credit Carson Wentz, with being calm and just answering the questions. And by the way, it's also a great lesson to athletes, which is, you know, as much as the questions can be bizarre, it doesn't. You can answer however you want. You can still have balance, catch your breath and answer. Which If somebody asks you 15 questions, answer like, um, what, what's his name? Did that to me the other day, right? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, like yeah. I got a little caught up in asking, a, you know, like a triple header to Cooper Cup. And he's like, wait, let me answer the one I want to answer. Right. <laughs> right. I got because I was geeking out, I'm like up against the time clock. Got to get some questions in. Enjoying my conversation with Cooper Cup. And I asked him too many. And he was like, great. But I, I actually think cutting off access is the wrong play. Right. Everyone knows Scott Abraham asked terrible questions here, made himself out to look like a little bit of an ass. And all he's got to do is own it and go like, Yeah, I was not how I want to look. I was unfair to Carson. My bad. And you get the stink eye from guys, but you just keep doing your job every day. And eventually, it comes back around. But I think cutting off access, I think that, that throws stuff out there. That, that makes it seem like you can't ask reasonable, fairly pointed questions in a fair way and do your job. I think there's a balance between the two. Yes, John Ramos. It's funny you would say that,
6: Doug, because literally two hours ago on his Twitter, it says, thank you for all the uh, all the responses to my interview with Carson Wentz. Here is a full interview. So obviously he doesn't see the same thing that you've seen. And the I'm, sure up-
3: there, I'm sure there's context to it and I'm sure there was a relationship back to it. I, and I understand that there's a pattern you get to, but there's no there's no like those are bad questions. Who, what, when, why, how? Not, you know, not hard. You know, and it's just, they're just not good questions, you know, but it's also, it also, and this is a big mistake that a lot of people make. And I think like E news, they do this crap all the time. Like you take random dudes, Twitters tweets, and you make them out to somehow have legitimacy just because somebody can comment on Twitter. Doesn't mean that they should be viewed as legitimate. So you just ask Carson, how do you think you've been playing? You know, what do you think is the thing you've done best? One of the things you think, things you need to work on the most. And you could even say like there have, or if you've been at practice every day, I've seen some spots with, he also like passed the buck on it. Like I've seen some times in which it felt like you were on inaccurate. Like, is, is there, is there in, in your mind, is there a need to clean anything up? You know, is it, whatever, there's a million ways you can ask it, but those questions were bad questions. Carson handled it well. I don't think he actually needs help from the team president saying we're going to cut off access. That's my own personal take. Give me yours. At Gottlieb Show. At Gottlieb Show. Instagram, at Gottlieb Show on Twitter. And the Doug Gottlieb Show fan page on Facebook. All are places that I'm on, I'll watch, I'll respond to within reason. All right, speaking of football stuff, a couple games last night. Uh, the Giants, Tennessee, Baltimore, New England. We're going to take you to two of those spots okay, and get a full rundown of what happened, how they look, what the feeling is in the locker room. Like, look, this is, we do sports and we do it better than anybody else does it. And we being Fox Sports Radio. What, what, what were the Patriots' feelings with their new play callers? And the Titans, well, they have themselves some new weapons, Can they take the next step, whereas they've hit that ceiling the past couple years in the playoffs? You'll find out next.
1: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat a slice of pizza in under 30 seconds, or I know it'll take you over a minute to down that two-liter. If you have, then you're going to love pick six
4: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With Lucky Land Sluts,
7: you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, you know, one of the things I like to do is get boots on the ground, right? It helps you form a more accurate opinion. With that, we have a guy. Hey! Hey! Everyone. We don't know
1: everything, but we know people that know what you want to know, you know?
3: What the hell he say?
1: Sounds like you need a guy.
3: Hey! Hey!
0: I got a guy.
3: Phil Perry works for NBC, um, NBC Sports Boston, and he covers the Patriots. He's their reporter. He joins us now on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Phil, how the how the Patriots feel like last night went?
1: Well, I could tell you this, Doug. They're going through a process because those are the words that Bill Belichick to use used with us about. I don't know, a dozen times or so. It felt like when we asked him about the coaching staff, that's the story that everyone here is following very closely. Obviously Josh McDaniels leaves. They don't have a named offensive coordinator to replace him. We see multiple bodies calling plays last night. It felt like we saw one thing during training camp practices. Now they try to muddy the waters during the first week of the preseason against the Giants. So the game was what it was, you know, Starters, only a couple of them actually played. It was mostly backups throughout. But I'll be honest with you, I was in the press box, Doug, and I had my eyes on the sidelines almost the entirety of the night just to see how that operation went between the quarterbacks, the rest of the offense, Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge. And uh, we're still left with a lot of questions, I'll put it that way.
3: Okay, like what?
1: Like who's going to be the play caller? Uh, Matt Patricia was the guy for the first two series. So you had Brian Hoyer, Mac Jones' backup. Like I said, a couple of starters in there. And Matt Patricia called the plays. And we've seen that throughout camp, Matt Patricia relaying the signals to Mac Jones during competitive practice period. But then once that group came off the field and stayed off the field, and you started to see third stringers, fourth stringers, with rookie Bailey Zappi as the quarterback, then it was Joe Judge, who's the quarterback's coach, who was calling plays for Bailey Zappi. And we really haven't seen Judge call plays at all in practice. And so asking Bill Belichick about it after the fact, he said a couple of things that I've really never heard in a press conference with Bill Belichick before, Doug, and I'm uh ten years plus covering this team now, so I feel like I've heard a lot from Bill Belichick in these settings. And the first thing he said was, Don't worry about that. We'll get it figured out. We're going through a process right now. I followed up later. I asked him You're going through a process. What do you need to see in order to make a decision? He said, I don't need to see anything. I followed up. I said, you know, we're just looking for some clarity here, Bill. It's a little bit of a rare situation for us. We've watched you for a long time. We've never seen this before with the multiple play callers. And he said, what do you want me to do? And it just felt like there was frustration there on his end. Obviously, he doesn't want to get those questions. He doesn't want to have to be put in that position to answer those questions. But I think he understands this is highly unusual not just for his team, but across the NFL. And he knows there's a lot of scrutiny on both of these guys, Patricia and Judge, because of their backgrounds. They're not offensive guys by trade. And yet it looks like the fate of the Patriots offense in 2022 is in their hands.
3: Um, the the defense last year was put together and was very, very expensive. Obviously you, you trade your best cover corner mid season because you you don't want to pay him a new contract. Uh, that, that changed their defense, probably for the worse, in season. What did the defense look like?
1: Faster. That's the one thing. If you're a Patriots fan, you watch that game last night, and you feel like things are a little hectic on the sideline offensively, uh, you could look at that defense and say, well, at least I can see that they made a point to get faster this off season, and it looks like they've accomplished that. Now, you're right. At cornerback, there are still a lot of question marks as to which guys will actually be starting out there. Jalen Mills was with the Eagles for years, now with the Patriots. He started last year. I thought he actually had a surprisingly good season last year. He'll be one starter. We're not sure about the slot. We're not sure about the guy on the opposite boundary. But at linebacker, they basically fumigated that linebacker room. Dante Hightower, not back. Kyle Van Noy not back. Jamie Collins, not back. These guys are bigger bodies, 250-plus 250, 250 pounds that have been roaming around the second level for the Patriots for years, and that's usually what Bill Belichick wants. He wants big-bodied dumpers. But now you have Mac Wilson, who's about 230 pounds, and Rayquan McMillan, who's about 235. They're at the second level. Josh Uche, Anthony Jennings, you've gotten younger and you've gotten faster at the second level. Those aren't as big of names as some of the guys that have been here for years, but I think their defense has been transformed to really be modernized and be able to run with some of these backs out of the backfield, be able to chase down some of these athletic quarterbacks. Those are things that plagued them last year, especially against the Bills and Josh Allen. And I think they feel better suited to do that. And I, saw, I thought we saw glimpses of that last night.
3: Last thing, you know, I think nationally uh, people have their own perception of Belichick and of the Patriots. But locally, what are the expectations of this team from the actual team itself?
1: Well, the expectations, I think, have honestly, for people that are following the team, have shifted as we've gone through the summer because not only do we have this odd play-caller situation, but the offense throughout training camp has looked very disjointed. They've had, of the 11 practices, they've had maybe two or three where they've looked like a competent offense. So not only do you come into camp with this weird situation on the sidelines, but now it looks like a mess in the vast majority of these practices. And so I think there were people here before camp started who said, you know, they won 10 games last year. There's Even though McDaniels is gone, there's really no reason they should be worse than that. They're three years removed from Tom Brady being gone. They should be on an upward trajectory. The arrow should be pointing up And 10 games, 10 wins. And sniffing the playoffs, if not back in the playoffs, should be the bar for them. But it's been such a weird summer, Doug, that I think people who follow this team and follow it closely, probably their their expectations have been diminished. I don't think that's the case inside the building. Mac Jones, to me, has been resolute. I've spoken to people who have watched him behind the scenes, and while he may be frustrated at how the offense has performed this summer, He's not bailing on some of the changes, both schematically and on the coaching staff. He's, he's all in. He's trying to make this work. He's you know burning the midnight oil to make sure that this works. But outside the walls at One Patriot Place, it's hard, given what we've seen for the last couple of weeks, to look at this team and say, well, they're going to have it all figured out by September, and they're going to be a double-digit win team again.
3: Phil, great stuff. We can't wait to have you on throughout the season. You give us an incredible local really uh, insightful snapshot of the Patriots as of today. Thank you so much for joining us on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Doug, anytime. Happy to chat with you. I got a guy.
3: Ben Arthur joins us. He covers the Titans for the Tennessean. And, Ben, you know how this works. Everybody wants to talk about the young backup quarterback. Uh, what are reviews on preseason game one?
0: Yeah, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah with malik willis it's the consensus is that it was kind of an uneven debut right like a lot of good some some bad uh we we saw one or two wow moments like that uh off platform side angle throw that that kind of went viral uh, on social media also his uh first nfl uh touchdown show, showing that elusiveness scrambling to, to get into the end zone but but there were a lot of uh timing issues uh decision making things that that he's still trying to work through um so it, that's kind of where the, the Titans are, are at uh with with Malik Willis right now and 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 what we saw in the preseason game it has kind of been the story of of training camp you you see the potential You see the tools, you see the athleticism, you see the arm strength. But it's really about kind of putting that whole package together in terms of making um, the the right decision um, with great timing and accuracy play in and play out. And so I think that's what what the Titans are uh, kind of focused on with uh, Malik Willis at this point in time.
3: Now he's listed as the number three. Logan Woodside is the number two. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill is the number one. Based upon his performance last night, does he remain the third quarterback?
0: I think so. I, I don't think much uh, changes as of right now. I, I, I don't think Malik Malik can, can get to that top backup job. I, I think there's definitely a, an opportunity for him to, to kind of break into Logan Woodside snaps. Uh, so to speak, but, but how highly the Titans speak of Logan Woodside, how how much they've kind of praised his presence, his work ethic, his knowledge of the offense and his ability to execute the offense. Um, I, I think when you couple that with just how far Malik still has to go, despite kind of the flashes of promise, I, I think, The pegging order is still very clear right now, in that it's Ryan Tannehill, and then it's Logan Woodside, and then it's Malik Willis. Logan Woodside had an awful game yesterday. Uh, uh, Two two of the three interception, uh, two of the three turnovers, I should say, uh, were on him, um, and it it just didn't look good. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty, um, but I don't think. In the, in the grander scheme of things, that that kind of changes the Titans' plans. Um, it feels like the Titans are, are going to keep three quarterbacks. Um, and again, there's still a lot of time left in training camp and in the preseason, but I don't think that game in Baltimore really changes much as of right now in terms of where Malik Willis and, and Logan Woodside stand.
3: All right, we know what they're going to do at running back. And obviously they showed they have some depth there yesterday. But wide receiver, you know, you trade away A.J. Brown, you know, Robert Woods coming off injury, Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook Kylan, or, you know, they they have some, but no, start, how the wide receiving core, how they looked and how they look last night.
0: Yeah, the wide receiver core is really interesting right now because your, your number one guy is supposed to be Robert Woods, but he's. He's coming off uh, a a torn ACL and and the Titans are still kind of ramping him up uh, toward week one. And so we haven't really seen him at like full go, although he has made a a lot of positive strides in practices. He's doing a lot in team drills. He's exploding um, off of that surgically uh, repaired left knee. Uh, very well. He, he, he kind of start is starting to look like that Robert Woods we saw with the Rams. But but until we kind of get to the games, it, it's kind of still that uncertainty. Um, Traylon Burks should be the, the number two. Obviously, in the long term, you, you hope he's your top guy. Um, but uh, he he had the slow start in the off season. Everyone knows about the conditioning and, and the asthma concerns. He's he, in training, as soon as training camp started, you really started to see a shift in him. He he lost some weight. Um, he mentioned that he he felt healthier, got his diet in check, um, was winning in one on ones and team drills, flashed a lot of promise, and so he certainly headed in the right direction. Although Mike Rabel. When he spoke to us today, he, he, he felt that Traylon was very inconsistent in that preseason opener, um, and, and so he, he's kind of challenging Traylon right now to continue that upward trajectory. And then I think right now, you, you mentioned Nick Westbrook-Akina. He, he's really the number three receiver right now, but, but I think the Titans would benefit if their uh, two of their second-year receivers, Des Fitzpatrick, a, a fourth-rounder, uh, from last year, and then Racy McMath from um, LSU. Um, if those guys really take make that year two jump, I, I think this receiver room um, could be fine. Uh, Racy McMath, in particular, has has really seemed to to take a, a lot of big steps, just in terms of being a deep threat, uh, a, a vertical threat for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, beyond A.J. Brown last season, they didn't really have a lot of guys that could win deep, and Racy McMath is a guy um, who's shown that ability in training camp and in the preseason game uh, yesterday. He he has kind of the, the perfect receiver body almost. He's 6'3", 220, has right. 4'3 speed. He was known for his special team's prowess at LSU, but he's really starting to, to come into his own as an offensive player, so I think if he kind of comes into his own, um, this receiving room could, could be better than people think.
3: Ben, awesome stuff. Thanks so much for the insight. We're going to call on you as the preseason moves on. We really appreciate your insight into the team you cover so well. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: No problem at all. Thanks for having me. So you needed a guy?
3: I'm
7: a point guard.
1: We got you a guy.
3: That was Ben Arthur. He covers the Titans for the Tennessean. Wait till you hear what LeVar Arrington said about Tom Brady. Really interesting. That's next.
1: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
4: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought
0: in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
4: This is Uncanny USA.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh?
4: A redwood forest would be cool. Ski
5: slopes!
1: Wait! Did we just invent California?
5: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
3: All right, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. Oh, man. Sorry, is this thing on? Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio, RIP to Shock G. Uh, normally do game time now. Got a little pinch for time. So we'll give Dan Byer a little break, give him a little time, get a little Mountain Dew in him, get ready for that update, top of the hour. A lot of things going on in sports you'll want to hear from Dan. And uh, again, I can't emphasize enough, I Want Your Flex, that's the podcast. If you need fantasy football information, as I do, we'll just plug them from information as we go. Um, I got some Russell Wilson for you. Uh, we're going to take you to Cleveland as we get ready for the Browns' first preseason game. And potentially, Deshaun Watson starting quarterback tonight for the Browns that upcoming next hour. But first, let's get to what the Fox And said. now. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? The- Uh, Dan Patrick said this about the Deshaun Watson case earlier today.
7: He's supposed to be starting tonight against Jacksonville. And unless there's last minute, you know, decision, and then what happens with the NFL Players Association, standing up for him, representing him, also with his agent. I don't know if they come back and say, is there a number that we can agree to so then we move on from this? You know, they came back with eight and five. Eight games, five million. And the NFL's probably got to be going, man, they are nervous. And they should be. Deshaun Watson's side should be nervous here. Because the commissioner has said this is predatory. He's, he's a predator. So when you come out of the owners' meetings where you're talking about, hey, and great news, the Broncos were sold for $4.6 billion. Got all the reporters there, and he wanted to talk about Deshaun Watson. This is one of those where, I don't know if it's Adam Silver with Donald Sterling, but it feels like this is one of those, you know, remember when the commissioner cracked down on uh, Deshaun Watson? Man, you know what? I I gained a lot of respect for him. It feels like that's where we're headed with this.
3: It's really interesting on how the commissioner of the NFL can end up winning in this thing. You know, he's taken so many L's in the personal conduct policy discussion in the past and the the rulings handed down that the W is right there in front of you. And when you heard last night that Deshaun Watson's camp would settle for eight games and a five million dollar fine, that has to make everybody believe that they know this isn't going to be good. You're willing to give up five million dollars in two more games. It doesn't feel like it's going to be good. Uh, this is LaVar Arrington talking about Tom Brady taking time off for personal reasons.
0: I don't think it's a big deal, especially if it was already predetermined and pre-discussed. Um, if there's one guy in the National Football League, there there's probably two um, of of note that you would say if you don't need them and they can go handle some some personal things that you would allow for that to take place. Tom Brady's one of those guys. I don't think that that would be a problem with his teammates. I don't think it would be a problem with the coaching
2: staff. And I don't think it would be a problem with the fans.
3: Um, If it was predetermined, then it, it – it, that strikes me as a bigger issue, right? That this guy is – it's active retirement. If it wasn't predetermined and there's something – very personal and very important. I, actually, I think the opposite of it. I think that's far less damaging. But I think we can in conclude that this is very unbritty-like from anything we've seen for 22 years in the past. That's what the Fox said. Ah! What
4: does the Fox say? Say, 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 say?
3: Russell Wilson is on a new football team. But it's the same Russell Wilson that was in Seattle. Do we like him more or less now? Find out next on the Doug Gottlieb Show.